Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinza. You wanted it, and we're going to deliver. That's right, it's time once again for the Decibel Geek Podcast, and everybody loves a good year in review, and man, do we got a good one for you today. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. Man, you look like you've been up all night doing homework. Are you tired, man? That would be correct. <laughs> I know the feeling. I'm on very low sleep and lots of coffee. But lots of knowledge gathered about oh, 1978, yeah. and we're about to spill it on you. We got so much to talk about today, we don't even have time for Geek of the Week, and we hope you understand, but we're going to get right to it. So, Chris, we always start the year in review and with such important information, so let us know, what are the key stats of 1978? Okay, 1978, average income per year, $17,000. Okay. Average monthly rent, $260. Nice. The cost of a gallon of gas was $0.63. Cents, wow. And a pound of bacon was $1.20. I want to go back. I know. Bacon, cheap gas, cheap rent. And all kinds of kick-ass hard rock and heavy metal, and we're going to get right to it. I can't think of a better place to start a year in review than at the beginning, in January. So where do we begin? Well, in January, Journey released its fourth album, but I think a lot of people would consider it really their first one as far as the era of Journey that everyone came to really know. Uh, This was the they released Infinity, which was the first album with Steve Perry. And um, a few of the tracks in the early sessions were recorded with Robert Fleischman, a uh, friend of the show. Heck yeah. And um, including Anytime and then Wheel in, Wheel in the Sky, which he helped Love write. Love that song. Really good song. Um, but I wanted to pick something that was the first composition between Neil Sean and Steve Perry.
from that day forward, millions of panties became wet and millions of dollars were made. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, Journey would go on to have so many big hit singles. And Neil Sean, awesome guitar player. Man, could yeah. that guy write a catchy radio hook? They were uh, definite pioneers for arena rock. Yeah, and we're going to find a lot of styles changing in 1978 to fit with what's popular at the time. But we're going to find out a little bit more of that later on. I mean, as we go on, we're just going to go right down the line. So what's yeah. the next one you got? Well, also in January, uh, a really cool band from New Jersey that doesn't get nearly enough attention, uh, a band called Stars uh, released, I think it was their third album, uh, called Attention Shoppers. And uh, there's not a ton, uh, there's, a, there's, there's not a lot of people that know about Stars, but they were like a really good power pop band, and they were a huge influence on a lot of the hairband era, like Motley Crue, Poison, and Twisted Sister. Right they on. cite them as uh, influences. And uh, Richie Rano, who is known in Kiss circles, uh, is he was one of the main members of, of Stars, and he uh, helped run a lot of Kiss conventions. Yeah. And also uh, did some work with uh, Vinnie Vincent on those conventions. But yeah. that's another story for another day. But uh, Oh, by the way, here's Vinnie Vincent's uh, musical output this week. Had to bring that one back. That's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, here's a little bit of stars from Attention Shoppers. I've never heard that before. That is awesome. I love the message. Yeah, I think those guys like to drink a couple of cocktails. Man, that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, also, um, a band that's kind of a sister band to Stars uh, that a lot of people kind of consider in the same group, uh, also underrated, was a band called Angel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We should have played more Angel before now. I mean, and I've heard that from a few listeners. Like, you guys always ignore Angel. Because Angel's kind of tied in with Kiss, too, you know, in those circles. Yeah, they were kind of considered like the, the, the anti kiss. The angelic version. Right. And kiss was Where the kiss devil was version. Black and dark. Angel yeah. was white and pretty. Kiss were Satanists? No. <laughs> we're not going back there. Um, but yeah, they released White Hot in 1978. It was their fourth album. It was the first without bassist Mickey Jones, so Kiss fans will know, was Lydia Chris's uh, main squeeze when Peter Chris ran off for his next wife. Hmm. Um, other members of the band included Frank Domino, Punky Meadows, and Greg Jafria. I think I got that right. Nice. That's the name that ties me up. Punky Meadows' look was copied by a lot of people in the 80s. So uh, Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so here's a little bit of Angel.
You know, I can see where a lot of the L.A. bands of the future, you know, get a lot off of bands like Angel and yeah. Stars. Yeah, pre- precursor to the Sunset Strip type stuff. Yeah, for and that sure. was not uh, bad. That was a track called Under Suspicion. Heck yeah, I like it. You know, that brings us up to February, and on the 10th, a band comes out with their fourth studio album. And, you know, these bands' journey, they've been great so far, but I think it's time to get a little heavier now. And it's 1978. Oh, yeah, heavy metal does represent with a brand new one from Judas Priest. This is their fourth studio album, and it's the fourth album with the classic Judas Priest logo. Yeah, I love it. Classic Judas Priest right there. This was their first album to make the U.S. Uh, Billboard Top 200. It was the first one to crack it. And, man, what a, it's just an amazing album. It's, it's really kind of... 1978 is a big turning point for Judas Priest. And you can really tell the difference between this album and their next one. Yeah. But we'll talk about that in part two. Yeah, definitely. Uh, The crazy thing about this one, 12 years later after this was released, was Uh when Priest would get involved in that civil lawsuit about the two young men in Nevada that, you know, one killed himself, the other one nearly did, ended up dying later, over uh, supposed hidden subliminal messages in the cover of the Spooky Tooth song, Better By You, Better Than Me. Yeah, shoot, 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 get the gun. Right, yeah. So that's, you know, and it's crazy to me that that was 12 years later. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. I didn't never realize that. Well, yeah, because when the story came out, I was pretty young, and I I remember thinking a stained class, a new album. I didn't know. Yeah. So Priest, I didn't catch on to. I bought a a cassette copy of Screaming for Vengeance when I was, like, 12, I think. Yeah, talking about, like I said, you know, 78's a turning point for a lot of bands. I think, you know, stained class kind of represents that and the albums before it. And the next album kind of represents a new way of doing things that are, it's a precursor to what's coming in the 80s. Oh, are you talking about this? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Talking about precursor to things that come in the debut of Van Halen. 
Yeah, possibly the uh, greatest debut album of all time. Yeah, it's oh man, you got to put it right up there with anybody. There's there's not a bad song on the album. No, trying to pick not. one song was really difficult. Yeah, because I was like, well, let's just pick something that you don't hear all the time. But, right, uh, that's a good one. But yeah, every single song on the album is awesome. Hell yeah. And I and I'm not even just kissing ass. It's an awesome al- album. No, it is. It is yeah. truly. You know, when and when it comes to what we do here on the Decibel Geek podcast, you know, there's no way in hell we could talk about 1978 without covering Van Halen no. because this is a huge turning yeah. point in our kind of music and the uh, the album initially peaked at 19 but it's gone on since to sell over 10 million copies yeah and uh eddie van halen's oh the album cover was shot at the whiskey that's where they shot the album cover and eddie van halen's frankenstrat album uh guitar on the album cover is actually now in the smithsonian institute oh nice. so i thought that was a cool little fact and uh my favorite uh piece of criticism that i could find in review of this album when it came out was from uh, Rolling Stone critic Charles M. Young in May of 78. He, he wrote, Mark my words, in three years, Van Halen is going to be fat and self-indulgent and disgusting, and they'll follow Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin right into the toilet. In the meantime, they are likely to be a big deal. Right, so. yeah. Well, these are the same jokers that put down anything that's hard rock and yeah. heavy metal, and they want something that's, you know, thinking man's music, you know, and that's not what, you know, that's not what we're about here. No, Van Halen good thinks, time music, Van, Van Halen. Van Halen thinks with their crotch. Exactly. <laughs> and that's all you really need in rock and roll. Heck yeah. So, um, But before we go to the break, I want to just play a little quick clip of uh, Billy Idol, you know, very well known in the 80s, but yeah. some people may not know that he actually had a, a band in the 70s that put out an album in 1978. Oh, yeah, Generation X. Uh, yeah, Generation X. And, uh, you know, very, they were really big in London. They never really made huge success over here in America. but uh, He sure did. Oh, he did. But uh, it's worth noting that they, you know, that they came out with an album that right. year. So uh, where it came from. And we'll be right back after this. Thoughts with Ace Freely. Hi, Curly. Listen to the Decibel Geek podcast on your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, and WebOS phones with Stitcher. Stitcher's smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. When was the last time you were scared out of your wits by a movie? Off your Ford or other fine car, nobody has more to do it faster. Then you can put them in any crazy pose you want. That's the name, Kiss. They may look insane. Kiss. It rocks your game. It's Kiss. Kiss. Each 12 and a half inch figure sold separately by Mego. Heck yeah, being a young kid in 1978, I remember all the best toys and the, the most popular toys in 1978, Hungry Hungry Hippos. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, Simon, remember Simon with the four colors? Yeah. yeah. 
beat Simon. He can never do it. Well, I beat Simon one day when I threw it against a wall. (laughs) So, yeah, I have have very painful memories of Simon. You know what the number one selling toy of 1978 was? No. Kenner's Star Wars action figures. That that makes sense. You know what the number two selling toy in 1978 was? What? Kenner's Star Wars vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we know what movie was big around that time. Heck, yeah. Other <laughs> big stuff going on toy-wise, uh, Space Invaders for the Atari 2600. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, I had it's a hard to imagine it was that long ago. I always, yeah. I guess being younger, your perspective is funny. Right. Of course, uh, Matchbox, Hot Wheels, Tonka Trucks is all the big thing. Made with real metal. Heck, yeah. The real <laughs> deal. We had it back then. Back when you could use a Tonka truck as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could. A deadly weapon at that. And, of course, the KISS action figures. The dolls. They're not dolls, man. Everybody knows if it comes with a weapon or an instrument, it's an action figure. Yeah, but the the KISS ones didn't come with instruments, I don't think. Yeah, they had to have, didn't they? I think it was the later ones that did. I think the initial ones were just the guys. Well, it was implied that they would have had instruments, so therefore they're action figures. They didn't need instruments. They were too busy banging Barbie. Right, for sure. (laughs) So those are your top toys in 1978. Good stuff. And hang on for a phone call. And we're back. And, uh, okay, so let's get back to the rock and roll then. Um, Released on April 9th of 1978. It's their third studio album. This one, it's it's kind of a wild story. You know, Richie Blackmore had dissolved Deep Purple in 1975, and he was planning on doing a solo album with Ronnie James Dio from the band Elf. The solo project, which obviously bring in Dio and it's so awesome, it's not just going to be a project, it's going to become a band. Originally known as Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, you know, after time people look at it, they see Dio, they say, you know, Richie Blackmore is cool, but it's also Dio. Let's just call it Rainbow. So, you know, it's a great band. They, you know, Richie Blackmore is kind of known as a dictator. You know, you ever heard that? A Renaissance Fair dictator. A Renaissance Fair yeah. dictator, and he's kind of a, the boss of everything he does. So he, he ends up firing half the band halfway through the recording of the album, and he replaces them with other guys, and Dio's just caught up in the middle, and it's, it's an amazing thing, and it's long-live rock and roll. You gotta love that from 1978. Long live rock and roll. This would actually be be Dio's last album with Rainbow. Yeah. Because uh, the Renaissance Fair dictator wants to take <laughs> it, you know, in less of a Dungeons and Dragonsy kind of, yeah. you know, style, and more in something that's you know commercially acceptable. And he doesn't feel like he can do that with Dio. So right. Dio's gone. Well, well, we'll end up talking about where Dio ends he went up on a little to, bit. Uh, yeah. Blacker pastures. Yeah, he did. <laughs> the, so, what do you got next? Um, so then, coming up next on April second. Oh man, my favorite, 
my very first Kiss record. Really? Double Platinum. Heck yeah. Double Platinum compilation of Kiss's greatest hits up to that point, including remixed versions of Hard Luck Woman, Calling Dr. Love, Firehouse, and a bunch of other ones on there. Um, it's got She with the Brock Bottom intro on it. I always thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and a uh, re-recorded version of Strutter called Strutter 78. Changing times in 1978. Everything's going for that disky, disco kind of a sound, you know, and that, yeah. the drums on that and the, the way it's produced kind of has that kind of chicka 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 yeah, uh, you know what I mean? Sean Delaney and Mike Stone were brought in to do all those remixes. Yeah, and Strutter 78 was produced by a guy named Jimmy Ianer. I believe is how yeah, it's Jimmy pronounced. Yeah, Jimmy Ianer, yeah. He uh, previously worked with bands like the Bay City Rollers and uh, Three Dog Night. That's exactly so, what Kiss was going for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, the silver reflective album cover with the individual pictures of the band members embossed on the inner gatefold. Yep. How cool, man. A lot of people would take uh, notebook paper and then shade over the faces to yeah. try to see what they looked like without the makeup. Yeah, well, I think we talked about before, holding it up reflectively, get your eyes to line up with right. the members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they were. <laughs> cool stuff when you're a little kid just... Yeah. Discovering rock and roll records. Can't do that with a digital download these days. Hell no. Hell no. So we'll keep on moving. Uh, The next one I had choice uh, on was uh, released on April 21st of 1978. This this guy's seventh studio album, and it's been eight years since the Beatles have broken up. And, you know, it's Ringo Starr. And I know that's kind of a stretch for the Decibel Geek podcast, but it really kind of ties into what we're doing here. Um, this was, like I said, his su- uh, seventh studio album. It was called Bad Boy, and it's an attempt to rectify Starr's career. And he's been bitten by the disco bug himself, and it's really hurt the guy's album sales. So he's trying to get back to his basics with this one, but not so much. <laughs> Joy turns to pain. 
That sounds just like Peter Chris's solo album. <laughs> well, there's a very good reason for that. Uh, Ringo Starr's Bad Boy in 1978 was produced by a guy named Vinnie Poncia. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, you know, and he, this guy... So he, it's his freaking fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, you know, because he'd been collaborating with Starr for quite a while as his musical partner, co-songwriter, and background vocalist. He appears on five of Ringo's solo albums, and, you know, if you look at Ringo Starr in 1978... You can see it's what Peter Chris wants to be. Right. But Peter oh, Chris, totally. Peter Chris can't be Ringo Starr because he's trapped within the confines of Super Kiss. That's true. So you see where this is kind of going. I could completely hear Peter Chris doing that song on a solo album. You know what I'm saying? It sounds exactly like one of the songs and, on there. And the crazy thing is in 1978, Ringo Starr gets his own musical special on TV, and it's mm-hmm. just him kind of being a crooner. Right. You know? And, you, and it, I do. saw that, and it's like, Peter Chris saw this and said, I want a that, piece of that action. He, he decided that would be a blueprint. How can I do this when yeah. I'm still in kids? Yeah, let's not follow what John and Paul are doing. Let's follow what hey. Ringo's doing. <laughs> Sorry, well, Ringo. Well, when you're Peter Chris, you got to you know set your goals. Stick with your drummers. Yeah, stick with your drummers. Oh, so we continue in 1978. We're into May now. And, uh, yeah, we're getting into May. Sorry about that, guys. I, I told you there was a tie-in. I, I didn't want to play Ringo. <laughs> we are going to talk about Kiss for two hours, aren't we? Right, you know, in one way or another. Um, but no, here's one for you. Talking about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Now, 1978 brings their second studio album, and it's a follow-up to the 1976 self-titled debut and the precursor to the 1979 mega-hit album, Damn the Torpedoes. Oh, yeah. They go huge after that. Um, at the time, the band was kind of considered Heartland Rock, along with guys like Bob Seger and Bruce Springsteen, even though the Heartbreakers were from Florida. Yeah, Ga- you know, Gainesville, Florida. Funny thing. <laughs> Tom Petty had it. He can rock when he wants oh, to. Sure. I like know? a lot of Tom Petty stuff. If, uh, uh, I'm not really that much into Tom Petty, you know, because the stuff you hear yeah. all the time on the radio, I just can't stand it anymore. If, well, yeah, because a lot of the hits that he had were super overplayed. But, right. Uh, but some of those deeper cuts on them albums are I'll pretty, tell you what, pretty good gems. Recommendation, his band before the Heartbreakers was a band called Mud Crutch. Yeah. Check them out. They're good. And also, if you haven't seen the three-hour documentary, Running Down a Dream, you have to watch it. Yeah, it, it'll make you into a fan. Nice. Um, crazy thing about that, I, d- I discovered this. I didn't know uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers get really popular in the United Kingdom way before catching on in the United States. I didn't know that. Um, their first album, they they got the song Breakdown, you know, which yeah, nowadays I everybody that knows song. that song. But at the time, it had to be re-released in 1978 on the FM movie soundtrack, and then it reaches 40 on the charts. 
Um, singles from that album, you're going to get it, um, include I Need to Know. Mm-hmm. That one's a great one. And uh, Listen to Her Heart, which was written about Ike Turner trying to get into Mrs. Petty's panties. Really? Yeah, that's what I discovered in doing my homework. Huh? Ike just couldn't keep his hands to himself. Right. Whether know. he was feeling up a girl or beating the shit out of Tina Turner. There you go. See, it's all coming together in 1978. Oh, you're talking about Heartland Rock. Yeah. Seventy-eight saw Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band release "Stranger in Town." Heartland Rock, Total Heartland Rock, Detroit. You know yeah. that was their uh, tenth studio album, second with the Silver Bullet Band, and it was certified platinum in less than a month, and eventually went on to go six times platinum. He was yeah. really big in those days. Yeah, him and the Silver Bullet Band. You know, a lot of these bands. I, I look back up the list of the ones we mentioned so far. A lot of these bands had opened up for Kiss around this time. Yeah, <laughs> you know it was. It's amazing. Ringo Starr. No, well, it made every, everybody except for Ringo, but Peter wanted to open for him. So yeah, I'm sure he it, did. It all comes together. <laughs> um, let's see. We're gonna keep on going. Released on May 25th in 1978. This is their fifth studio album. ACDC is well on their way to becoming the most popular hard rock band in the world. And Power Ridge. Or Power Rage, Power Rage, depending on how you want to Rage. say it. Yeah, Power Rage. <laughs> uh, it features a shift to a heavier style that had kind of begun on the Let There Be Rock album. And I think maybe the thicker sound quality probably has a lot to do with bassist Cliff Williams joining the band. It's my favorite ACDC album. It's it's fantastic. Um, you know, and this was the first one that they'd been... Per- Before that, we talked about this on the Bon Scott episode, how there was like the Australian release and then everybody else got their right. release. You know, this was the first one that it was just one release internationally australia everybody got it right um it's amazing stuff it would reach 133 on the u.s album charts one of the greatest rock albums of all time and we're going to come back for more 1978 but here's your acdc for you it's a rock and roll damnation right here in 1978 
Want to be a member of the Decibel Geek Army? You slimy scumbag, get on your face and give me 25. Join us on our fan page at facebook.com slash decibelgeek. Tuesday. That little cheat stole a test. The Fonz hits the fan when Chachi gets expelled. Then. It's the thriller in Milwaukee when Laverne and Shirley wrestle for charity. Then, Jack! guess who's been sleeping in Jack's bed? Baby doll. On Three's Company. And Harvey's daughter brings home a friend. We're living together. How's it working out? So far, so good. The uh... Harvey Carmen Show. Watch tomorrow night starting at 8, 7 Central and Monday. Peter Frampton, the Bee Gees, Kiss, Linda Ronstadt. You'll find them all in one exciting weekly magazine, Circus. Every week, Circus Magazine reveals the truth about the incredible rock and roll scene. I'm Jerry Rothberg, editor of Circus Magazine, and I want you to read the toughest, timeliest, gutsiest magazine around. Read Circus for in-depth reporting about the new drug laws, the facts about birth control, and how to buy stereo equipment. Circus Magazine in color. Now at your newsstand every week, pick up your copy today. All right, we're in the final stretch of part one of 1978 right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. And so far, so good, man. A lot of good rock music coming out in 1978. I've been enjoying this thoroughly. Yeah, me too. I think the, uh, the extra research paid off for this one. Heck yeah. And all this great music that you found on today's episode is always available to you. You know, go out there, support these bands. Some of them, they've been around forever. Some of them, you know, maybe never made all the money that they should have. But you can help them out whenever you can by going to Amazon. Actually, before you go to Amazon, go to the www.decibelgeek.com website. Go to our Amazon link right there. there. Find every one of these bands and buy their CDs. Support them. Support us. Everybody's happy. Everybody rocks and everybody rolls. Yeah, and even if you're not going to buy music and you're just going to do some Christmas shopping, Heck yeah. click on our link, You know, buy something for $30,000, and we'll make some Heck money. Heck yeah, go out, you go out and buy you a yacht through Decibel Geek Podcast on Amazon. Please. Heck yeah. Please. So we're going to continue with 1978. As I said, we got a little bit left, but, man, some good stuff coming up before the halfway point of the year. But before we get too far, let's talk about what's going on in TV land in 1978. Of course, you got Super Bowl twelve. Dallas over Denver. It would be the first time the championship is played and televised at night. Really? Yep. In 1978, we'll see the debut of the Blues Brothers during a Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah, they were Saturday Night Live pretty was infamous. awesome back in 78, man. You ever get a chance to go back and yeah, watch some of that reruns. old stuff? Fantastic. Uh, we talked about earlier the NBC Ringo music special. <laughs> Yikes. You can see that on YouTube. Oh, but wow. You, but you've been warned. You can squint a little bit and imagine it's Peter Chris. <laughs> uh, debut shows in 1978. Deplane, Deplane. Fantasy it's Island. Fantasy Island. Tattoo. Heck yeah. uh, Mork and Mindy. Yeah, yeah, I love that show. Taxi. Yeah. Dallas. The Incredible Hulk. Yeah. That used to terrify me when I was a kid. That's funny. It terrified me, too, but he was also my hero. Right. It yeah, was it was crazy. You love, yeah, I would never miss it, but yeah. when he changed, I would have to run out of the room. Yeah, I still have um, I still have Incredible Hulk underoos. Heck, There's yeah. a mental picture you won't get rid nice. of. Nice. Oh, man. <laughs> Ouch. Um, one of my favorite shows of all time, WKRP in Cincinnati, yep. uh, debuts in 78, as well as What You Talking About, Willis. Different Strokes. Yep. 1978. Uh, goodbye in 1978 to the $6 million man, Beretta, Rhoda, Carol Burnett, the bionic woman, 
And oh no, Chico and the Man. Oh wow! How did that ever get canceled? How did that ever get aired? <laughs> so there's your TV for 1978. But back to the rock and roll, and you've got the next one. Okay. Well, a uh, little band from Rockford, Illinois, named Cheap Trick released "Heaven Tonight." It was their third studio album, and uh, the I big love it. the big songs from this album were "California Man," "Off Wiedersehen," and of course "Surrender." The, yeah. Those are huge album, huge songs. This was the first album ever recorded with a 12-string electric bass. Wow. Tom Peterson. Nice. Quick little cheap trick story. I uh, used to know a guy that managed an uh, apartment building here in Nashville, and Tom Peterson was one of his tenants. And he was going to do uh, some repair work up near his floor, and he opened up the door. He's like, you'll, you'll appreciate this. He opened up the door and let me look in. Yeah? I didn't get to walk in, but I could look at and I mean, bass guitars as far as you could see. Nice. Just everywhere. That's cool. It was really cool. I don't think he lives here anymore, but he did back then. So, but uh, I don't know. You know, those are all great songs, but actually, I do have a favorite song from Heaven Tonight. Cheap Trick gets heavy. Heck yeah, man. I love that's that That's a album. great riff, man. Yeah, it is. That's, that's got to awesome. be my favorite Cheap Trick tune. That's a great song. Heck but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't beat Cheap Trick. Heck no. In 1978, those guys are pretty much at their peak. I mean, Surrender, that was, that's was that got to be their biggest hit ever, right? Yeah, that or I Want You to Want Me. Oh, yeah. Or The Flame. Or The Flame, yeah. Which, the song they hated that they had to do. <laughs> right. Well, it was the times. But 1978 seems like they were doing their own thing and having a good time doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, also in 1978, oh, the moment everybody's been waiting for. They've been what? saying, when are we going to talk about it? When are we going to talk about it? The moment is here. The seventh studio album from Foghat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know or, <laughs> as me and my brother used to call them when we uh, we would see the uh, classic rock, you know, compilation album commercial. Yeah. It would just, you'd see the name. My brother and my brother and I thought they were called Fogot. We couldn't, Fogot. we didn't, we didn't put it together that we were Foghat. Really, it couldn't be Foghat. So, yeah. I was That's using drugs weird. at six, sorry. <laughs> it seems like it. Uh, Foghat's an English blues rock band best known for the songs I Just Want to Make Love to You and Slow Ride. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows Slow Ride. Uh, actually, these guys are a little bit different. They're way more popular in the U.S. than they are in their homeland of the United Kingdom.
I think Foghat's kind of a band that really went on to influence a lot of what was coming, you know, as far as like the, the 80s glam rock kind of sound, you know, the, the, the L.A. sound, you know what yeah. I mean? More than they actually get credit for. Uh, the band included Lonesome Dave Peveret on lead vocals and Rod, the magician of rock and roll slide guitar, Price on lead guitar. Yeah, and the the album was Stone Blue. And, yeah, that's uh, a good one. And I uh, I have a lot of knowledge of Stone Blue, and I'll tell you why. I have an old circus magazine from 1978, uh-huh. and I bought this magazine because in one little corner there was a picture of Paul Stanley in makeup, and it was said something like, "Paul Stanley reveals kiss secrets." So of course, it was nothing that wasn't really commonly known. Right. Anyway. But I bought it, and it's been sitting in my bathroom for like the last year. But on the cover of the issue was two guys from Fog Hat, and Stone Blue was out. So there's this long, in-depth article about the making of Stone Blue. And I'm so lazy, I don't switch magazines out. So I've read that article at least three times. So I know a lot about that album. (laughs) Well, then you should have picked Fog Hat. I guess I should have. have You beat me to it, man. Come on. Um, Both those guys are long dead, but Fog Hat continues releasing their latest album, Last Train Home, in 2010 with Roger Earl on drums, the only original member left in the band. (laughs) Yeah, he was dating Britt Eklund back in those days. I know that because of that article. Britt Eklund, she was an actress who also dated Rod Stewart. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. See? The things you learn in the the bathroom. bathroom. Yeah. Fog Hat may not have been the most popular band in the world, but a lot of people loved them. Here's a band that everybody knew, most popular band of all time, maybe one of them, right up there. Talking about the Rolling Stones and one of their most popular albums released in 1978, talking about Some Girls. Now, this is their sixth studio album in a row since 1971's Sticky Fingers to go number one in the United States. That's how popular we're talking the Stones are. Yeah, even more than the Bay City Rollers. Well, yeah, and Three Dog Night combined. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Throw in Vinnie Poncia for it still don't matter. <laughs> First studio album to officially feature guitarist Ronnie Wood. This guy beats out Jeff Beck and Peter Frampton, among many others, to get that coveted spot that was opened up by uh, Mick Taylor in 74. Um, he did appear on some of the previous album, but was still a member of the Faces. Appearing with the Stones kind of puts an end to the faces. Rod Stewart yeah. don't like it. He right. don't like it. So the faces end up breaking up. Um, you know, Ronnie Wood does pretty good for himself. Rod Stewart goes solo. And drummer Kenny Jones, well, he gets a pretty sweet gig in part two of 1978. But yeah, we'll, he did. We'll talk about that later. Um, it's actually a three-guitar lineup with Mick Jagger joining Wood and Keith Richards on guitar on this album. gotta kind of wonder if maybe mick jagger decided to pick up the guitar because there was a real good chance that keith richards would end up going to prison for what happened to him in toronto in 1977 yeah he uh boy he had an interesting year that year yeah he did he got busted for heroin up there but luckily for keith 
the Canadians loved the Stones, and they went light on them and inspired him to clean up his act and kick the heroin addiction by the time the Some Girls uh, got started, well, the recording sessions. Canada's a little easy on drug users, as their mayor has proven this week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, you know. Of course, some, that's old news by the time you hear this. Right. Um, some Girls, one of the most recognizable album covers of all time, I oh, think. Yeah. The original featured members of the band as well as a bunch of celebrities who all sued. Lucille Ball, Raquel Welch, Marilyn Monroe, Farrah Fawcett, Liza Minnelli, and more would all have to be removed from the cover and a reissue made. So if you got that original one, huh. you might be sitting on something, and everybody knows the big hit single off of Some Girls was Miss You. Yeah, that was a little. That was pretty popular. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, turn on any classic rock station right now. Within ten minutes, you'll probably hear it. Yeah. So uh, that pretty much wraps up the first half of '78. Yeah. And, um, got one more to play on the way out. Uh, you got a couple things you want to say before we go? Um, I guess just uh, thanks everybody for tuning in once again. You guys asked for 1978, and we're doing our best to deliver it. It's a lot of hard work, but yeah. you know that's our jobs, and we're here to do it. So. I hope you enjoyed it. In about a year when we recover, we'll go back and listen to it, and we'll get to enjoy it ourselves. <laughs> right. But uh, now, uh, before we go, just make sure you go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash decibelgeek. Go to the Twitter page. We're building that fan base there. It's at uh, decibelgeekpod on Twitter. Yep. If you're going to pick up music by any of these bands and any other ones or anything else, go to our website. Go through the Amazon link. While you're at the website, check out all the great articles. Our writers are putting up new stuff all the time. And as we found out a week or two ago, they are fantastic. Or three or four ago. Yeah, we're not real sure <laughs> but it, at any rate check it all out and uh join us right back here next week for part two in 1978 so playing us out this is the seventh album by this band it's the final to feature aaron's favorite guitarist michael Schinker, until 1993 uh pete way get better man just for half an out he got cancer hope he gets better produced by ron nevison engineered by mike clink playing us out is ufo pack it up and go from obsession see ya